Amen. All right. So listen, this morning uh, we're going to continue our series on seven decisions. This is uh, part five, if you've been taking notes, is part five of seven decisions. Now, if you are a guest with us today or uh, maybe you've missed a few pieces of this message, let me kind of take a few minutes to bring you up to speed. When we're talking about the seven decisions, in fact, somebody say seven decisions. Uh, we're really talking about seven biblical principles that God wants us to make up our minds on. In other words, he doesn't want us to just know about these things. He doesn't want us to uh, vacillate between two opinions to go, uh, you know, should we do this? Should we not do this? God is saying, this is something I want you to make up your mind. I want you to decide this is something that you're going to apply to your everyday life. And see, uh, the Bible, in fact, tells us that when we uh, live according to God's ways, remember, we say all the time, if we do it God's way, we get God's results. Amen. But there's this verse in Joshua. 1, 8 that says that if we live according to the word, then he will guarantee us that we will be prosperous and successful in our life with him. Uh, how many of you guys want to be prosperous and successful? Me too. Amen. So here's the four decisions that we've already talked about. Once again, just simple uh, biblical principles, maybe with a little bit different wording. The first one was this. It was the buck stops here. The buck stops here. This is where we make the decision to no longer blame or point the fingers at others for our current position or our current attitude in life. It's really easy to do, isn't it? This is also where we decided to take responsibility for our actions, to take responsibility for our attitudes, our emotions, our words, our choices for today. And not only for today, but also for our future. Because unless we can take responsibility of our future, we'll never be good stewards of what God has entrusted with us. Okay? So the second decision we talked about was this, is that we'll be people who will seek wisdom. This is where we made the decision to lean into God through relationships. Somebody say relationship. See, we do this so we can receive his insight, his brilliant mind, his wisdom on every situation we will ever face in life. Now, most of us in this room know uh, James 1.5. It clearly says this, is if any man lacks wisdom, all he has to do is what? Is ask. But you've got to understand that that asking comes from a position of relationship, not coming to God, viewing him as some wishing well that you can throw it in and not a math that he's going to respond. Remember the meaning there where it said of God means that you've got to get really close to him. You've got to come alongside of him and then you ask and then he gives. The third one was this. Third decision was I am a person of action. This is where we made the decision to no longer wait for somebody else to do something. See, there's something about when when you and I decide to become the catalyst for the change that we desire. In other words, I don't wait for everybody else to do it. I say, I want to be the change that I desire to see. I'm going to step up. I'm going to become that. And so part of that, when you realize you're a person of action, is you realize that... um, You're not seeing what you're seeing and hearing what you're hearing for no reason. God's actually letting you see it. God's actually letting you hear it. Uh, But it's in those moments of seeing and hearing that we got to decide to do something rather than nothing. Amen. See, after all, God provides an opportunity, but it's up to you and I to act. The number four or the fourth decision was this, is that I have to have a decided heart. I have to have a decided heart. This is where we made the decision to not be distracted in our mission to bring heaven to earth. That is your mission. Amen. It's to bring heaven to earth. Jesus said it. It's up to us to live it. Amen. So in this about having a decided heart, you know, it requires this. As you and I got to be willing to count the cost. We got to be willing to please God and not man. And we got to be willing to be doers of the word. And ultimately, it's that last thing we talked about. We got to be willing to burn our boats. And, and to kind of put that in a, in a certain wording, it's this. That you and I got to live with a no-quit policy. Okay. So, so often, let me maybe put it another way. Um, how many, how many of you ladies in here have ever went to the store and bought something knowing that you'd probably return it later? That's not what we do in this. 
Okay. In other, in other words, we never come to God and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try you out for a minute. And if I get home and find out that it makes me look too fat. Amen. Give it to me, sister. That, that, that if I do that, then I'm going to take this thing back. Right. So it's the bottom line when it comes to being with Jesus, we're all in. Amen. And there, and there's no turning around. There's no going back. I, I'm burning my security blankets and the things that I'd want to run to. Uh, instead of that, I burn that so I can run to him. Amen. All right, so now for this morning. All right, here we go. So the fifth decision we're going to talk about today. Um, as I was preparing for this, uh, the Lord actually reminded me of a story that I read in a book 16, 17 years ago. And it's about a guy named F.F. Uh, F. Bosworth. And F.F. F. Bosworth uh, was a preacher, but he was also a healing evangelist. In fact, during his time, uh, this guy and maybe another guy named Raymond T. Ritchie that was from Houston, these guys were getting more people healed in the, in the world than anybody and so this guy, in fact, some of you guys may have seen his book. It's called uh, Christ the Healer uh, that he wrote, an excellent book. I would encourage anybody to read it. But, but uh, he was, in a, once again, a pastor and evangelist in 1910 uh, to 1958. That's the year he died. So what I'm about to read to you uh, this morning comes from Lester Summerall's book. In fact, my, my wife was... She put it up there for you. Uh, Pioneers of the Faith, one of the greatest books I've ever read. It's an excellent, excellent book. would encourage all of you to read it. You could probably read it in a day. Um, powerful book. But anyways, I'm going to give you an excerpt from that book about this guy. And let me maybe preface it with this. Some of the language that they use here, some of the wording is not what we would use today. Some people would consider it offensive. Um, so just understand the, the year that this thing was written and extend some grace to it, okay? Are you all with me this morning? All right, so it says this. It says, in August 1911, an annual Pentecostal camp meeting was held by black people in Hearn, Texas. It says they built a brush arbor off the back of the tent for white people who visited the camp meeting. Y'all get that? It's a group of, of, of believers that are black. They were having uh, basically uh, a revival meeting, and there was white people who wanted to come. And obviously because of segregation, uh, they, they, they basically had the stage. All the black people sat on one side, and they built a little brush arbor, and all the white people sat there, okay? So it says the white people who attended were impressed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the moving testimonies of the blacks. Because they did not want to seek the Holy Spirit at a black altar, they asked the leaders of the camp meeting to call a white preacher to come and teach them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Bosworth was the man that was selected to go. It says Bosworth arrived at the camp meeting in Hearn on Saturday night, August 6, 1911, to see where his meetings were to be held. Says he had no intentions of preaching that night, but when the people recognized him, he was persuaded to preach. Says he spoke for only a few minutes to both groups of people, the white side and the black side, standing on a platform between the tent and the brush harbor. Listen to this. Says after the service was over, Bosworth was invited to stay the night with another white preacher. Says on the way to this man's room, they were stopped by a group of extreme racists who were going to kill Bosworth for putting them on a level with black people. Says Bosworth told them that he was there in obedience to God and the white people had asked him to come. He also said that if God wanted him to die, he would gladly do so. Says the men finally allowed Bosworth and the other man to go on the condition that they would leave town immediately. Says Bosworth went directly to the train depot and the other man went back to his room to gather up his things. But says this, and this is lock in with me here. Says Bosworth was met at the train station by another mob of about 25 men. Says they took him from the depot, knocked him down, and beat him with heavy wooden clubs and broken bow doors. They told Bosworth he would never preach again when they were through with him. Says Bosworth offered no resistance. He committed himself to God and prayed for God to keep them from breaking his spine. It 
When the men were finished, Bosworth's flesh was like jelly, mashed to the bone, covering his back all the way down to his knees. Amazingly, he only received a fractured left wrist. Says Bosworth was not allowed to take the train. Get that. They, they beat him. Then they wouldn't let him get on the train at Hearn. So he had to walk almost 10 miles to Calvert, uh, where he called a train home the next day. Says Bosworth's personal account of this story comes from a letter that he wrote to his mother telling her about the mobbing. It says, however, it tells much more about the character of F.F. F. F. Bosworth, who had a Christ-like spirit. In his letter, he wrote this. He said, the suffering during, during this period was terrible, but as soon as it was over, here's the, one of the sentences I want us to grab. He says, but one, as soon as it was over, I looked away from the wounds and bruises to God. I looked away from the wounds and bruises to God. And he took away all suffering and put his power and strength upon me so that I could carry a heavy suitcase with my right arm over nine miles. He said at this, I, I never had the slightest anger or ill feeling toward those men who beat me so cruelly. He says, and the walk to Calvert in the dark with moonlight was the most heavenly experience in my life. He says, the Lord gave me wonderful intercession for those men that he should forgive them and prepare them for his coming. Get that. The Lord gave me wonderful intercession for those men that he should forgive them and prepare them for his coming. He says, I have thanked him many times for being privileged to know something of the fellowship of his suffering. Since it came from plain obedience and preaching his gospel to every creature, it has given me great joy to experience this, which was so common among the early Christians in the first century of the church. Let me read one more thing to you. Acts chapter 7. This story reminds me of this. Can you throw that up? This is talking about Stephen. It says in verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. I'm sorry, I should have gave you the verse. Verse 54. You guys there? Awesome. Verse 55, it says, but he being full, Thomas Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, let me maybe stop there, and you probably heard this before, but what's so amazing about the scripture, scripture is this is the only place in the whole Bible that it actually talks about Jesus standing. Okay? And there's this sense, sense among theologians, if, if you will, for lack of better terms, that Jesus was almost giving him a standing ovation for what he was doing. And then it, then it says this, says, um, next verse. It says, and he said, or said, and look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. It says, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. We know that later became Paul. Verse 59, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Next verse. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. whole reason we read it, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep or he died. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but when I read that story about F.F. Bosworth, when I read this story about Stephen, number one, I'm humbled. Number two, I'm challenged. And number three, I'm seriously convicted. Because, see, over the years, once again, you know, I read, I read this portion uh, you know, scripture, I don't know, first year I was born again. You know, I read, I read that story, you know, what's, whatever, you know, 16, 17 years ago. But over the years I've wondered this, and this is just me being honest with you. If I was in that position where I was being beaten by 25 men for preaching the gospel, how would I respond? 
How would my heart be toward them during and after the beating? Could I go to God and ask for their forgiveness and salvation? Could I thank him for the opportunity to fellowship with his sufferings? Or would I hate them with a pure hate? Am I talking to you today? Would I want to get even through violence? Would I pray for vengeance rather than mercy? Would I allow bitterness to wreck my soul and rob me of every ounce of peace? Would I be angry with God for not protecting me from the plan of the enemy? You, you see, maybe, maybe for me, I don't know about you, but for me, the, the overarching question in all this for me is, is, God, I want to know what I'm made of. God, I want to know what I'm made of. In other words, it's this, is, is, is God, I want to know how much of me is still in me. In other words, of the old man, the flesh, and I want to know how much of him is in me, his spirit, his nature, the nature of Christ. And, and see, it's, it's kind of like when I think about that, if I'm honest, all I have to do is step back and look at the obvious indicators in my life that will really tell me how much of me is in me and how much of him's in me. It can help me be honest. It's kind of like this, and we've talked about this plenty of times before, but those indicators are this. How do I respond when someone lies about me? How do I respond when someone talks about me or, or stabs me in the back? How do I respond when someone is mean or someone's rude to me? How do I respond when someone accuses me of being someone I'm not? How do I respond when someone drags my name through the mud? Don't you love that one? How do I respond when someone disappoints me or hurts me really bad? Are you all with me today? See, and what I mean by respond is not this. I don't really mean how do I respond outwardly. I mean how do I respond inwardly? Inwardly. Because a lot of times, you know, because, because we're believers, um, what happens, what's going on on the inside of us is much different than what happens on the outside of us. Amen? But, but, but God looks on the inside of us, right? He just doesn't look at our actions. And so, you, you know, I, I think about with all this, you know, how many times have I, how many times have you been laying in bed trying to fall asleep at night, but we can't because we just can't shake what somebody did or somebody said about us. In essence, it's like this. I, I, don't, I don't know, kind of the way I feel. It's like you lay there in bed and on the inside, you just keep shaking your head in disbelief that it happened. Has anybody ever been there? Listen, that I keep replaying what happened over and over and over again in my head. I keep defending myself. I keep fighting for my own stance of what I think is right. I keep thinking about what I should have said differently. I think about what, uh, what I wish I would have said in the flesh. Y'all ever have those moments? Y'all have flesh? Because I sure enough got it. So, so listen, what, what I might say the next time I see them. Give me some, right? So listen, it's like I'm consumed in the middle of the night, wide awake, thinking about that person. The truth is, is all I can think about is it's really a bunch of unproductive thoughts, right? And at the same time, I don't know about you, but with me, I'm completely embarrassed by the fact that I'm letting that individual have too much real estate in my head. You know, honestly, in those moments, and and it's just me being truthful, I, I think possibly the thing that frustrates me the most is 99% of the time, the person I'm so irritated with, the person that uh, I've been out of shape about, they are, they are snuggled up, sleeping peacefully in their bed. And they don't even have, listen, they have absolutely no clue that I'm thinking about them. The truth is, most of the time, they don't even know they offended me. And then what really burns me up is how many people don't even care that they did. Amen? Amen. So, listen, while I'm laying there in the dark, I know I need to be more like F.F. Bosworth. I need to be like, more like Stephen. I need to learn to look away from the wounds, look away from the bruises, and I need to look to God. Here's the key word, fully. Fully. And, and here's, the, here's why I say this. We think we're looking to God, but really all we're doing is telling him about our boo-boos. <laughs> right? God, do you see what they did? That's not looking. I'm talking about God. I need to look at you fully. 
And look away. I need to look away from those things and I need to look to you. Because listen, just like many of you, I know that true forgiveness is the only key, the only key, the only key that's going to open the door to the healing and the peace that I desperately need. Amen? Amen. But let, let me ask you this. Isn't it amazing how large of a gap is between, watch this, what we know we should do and then what we really do? That was a great place to say amen. Okay, That when we know what to do and then what we actually do. There's a humongous gap between that, right? And, and I just think, man, isn't it amazing to think about how sometimes we do a really great job forgiving people, letting things go, and then other times we do a miserable job at it. Isn't it funny how some, some days it's like somebody can do something to me and I can brush it off, forgive them, and I move on. And then other days it's, it's taken me weeks, right, months, and sometimes even years to work through things that somebody's did. Amen? That's real life, isn't it? Listen, I personally believe that all that that we just talked about are true indicators of how much of me still lives in me. Let me put it another way. It also reveals how much or how little God really has of me. Are you hearing that? That it really reveals. Because see, the thing is, is, let me say this to you. A lot of times we go, God, I want more of you. And I just think he's saying the same thing back to us. You know, I really just want more of you. Yeah? Because there's something about our own human nature that we want God, but we want him on our own terms. And it does not work that way, gang. It doesn't work. God, God wants us on his terms, and it's up to us to come in agreement with him. Amen? Amen. So, listen. Basically, the reason I'm saying this is because this really shows us how much or how little of the fifth decision that we actually walk in. Here's our fifth decision. You've probably already seen it there. But it's simply this, that I have a forgiving heart. Once again, we're talking about biblical principles that Jesus wants us to have in our lives. He wants to apply to our lives daily. And one of those is this, is he wants us to have a forgiving heart. Now, I, you know, as I, as I was planning for this, I thought, man, God, I've talked about this so much. Right? Listen, if, you've, if, you've, if you want to know more about this, go back a few months ago, listen to the series that we preached on letting go. There's a few weeks there where we really get more in detail than what we'll get today. Today's going to be pretty simple. Um, but listen, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. I, I'm sitting there going, God, I've talked about this so much. I mean, that was kind of like the beginning of the week. And then my Thursday hit from like the time I woke up and then my Friday. And I went, okay, if I need to be reminded about this as often as I do, maybe I'm not the only one. Right? Because it's real world, right? You, you know, listen, we, we, li- we live in this. There's this Christian mindset in America that somehow puts pastors on the pedestal. And I understand you respect the office, you respect the anointing. I get all of that. But sometimes we need to remember that they're, they're normal Joes too, right? And they got to deal with the same things you're dealing with. They, 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 they still live in the real world as well. We're not exempt, amen? So, so listen, so I'm telling you this for me. I need to be reminded of this this past week. I needed to go, okay, I need to apply these things to my own life if I'm going to get through to this. Because who wants to be better? Amen. All right. So um, with that said, let me give you we're going to be really quick today. In fact, you, you're going to beat a whole lot of people if you go into a restaurant today. You're going to do really good because I don't have a whole lot. We'll just see how it goes here. All right. So listen. So, <laughs> hey, man, honest. Look, I've been working on me, not so much you guys past few days. All right. So. <laughs> Amen. So listen, all right, so listen, a few thoughts. Here's just a few thoughts I have concerning a forgiving heart, okay? 
few thoughts I have concerning a forgiving heart. The first one is this, is I believe that God actually wants us to greet each day with a forgiving heart. He wants us to greet each, welcome each day with a forgiving heart. Now, that may seem really odd to say that, but here's what I mean. Is we can either approach every day with our walls up, position ourselves on the defensive, and prepare ourselves to be offended. I'm amazed at how many Christians live like that. They literally, they walk outside the door because they, uh, just mainly because of their past. It's like they immediately walk out and, and they can, they put this mask on, they put this wall up, and they just wait for somebody to say something wrong so they can be offended. And, and I gotta be honest with you, it's no fun being around believers like that. It's not, because you always gotta watch what you say constantly, but, and you gotta think, uh, you know, 1500 different ways to make sure they don't hear it a certain way. Are you all following me? Yes? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not talking to you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, but he might be talking to you. <laughs> Tangent, which side did you turn to first? There's nobody. There's... <laughs> so listen, we can either approach each day with our walls up, position ourselves on the defense, embracing ourselves to be offended, or we can live like him with hearts and arms wide open ready to be an extension of the Father's love and mercy to every person we meet. That's the way he wants us to go about our days. Hearts wide open, arms wide open, and say, Jesus, how can I be a conduit? How can I be a doorway for your mercy and your love to, be, you know, to touch these people? Amen? Amen. So, listen, uh, just a simple question. Is this doable? Is it, is it doable to greet each day with a forgiving heart? And the answer is absolutely yes. And here's why I want to say that. It's because forgiveness is really mercy in action. Forgiveness is really mercy in action. Let me explain that a little bit. Uh, because a lot of people confuse grace and mercy. Grace is this, and I should have put it up there. But, but grace is basically us receiving what we do not deserve. Okay? Salvation. It was grace. You were saved by grace. Right. We, we did not deserve that. Mercy is us not receiving what we do deserve. Get that. What did we deserve? We deserve all of us. No matter how you're bent theologically, we all deserve from our own choices and lifestyles to go to hell. Right. So out of God's mercy, he did not give us what we deserve. So when we talk about forgiveness is mercy in action. We're really saying that. Guess what? Nobody deserves forgiveness. Are you with me? So, so listen, I can either stand back and go, you know what? Uh, you know, Jake, you're really going to have to come. You're going to have to earn my forgiveness before I give it to you. Good luck. And that's not a hint. It's just that people, right? It, you know, we, it's like we have this mindset that people are going to come and grovel at our feet and please, you know, plead and beg with us. Please forgive me. And we stand back like some king at some knighting, right? And somehow we're going to, you know, bestow upon them forgiveness. It's truth, isn't it? But listen, uh, you, you know, once again, it, that's not the way it works. It, let me maybe throw an extra thought in here is this. is forgiveness is really a gift to yourself, not the other person. It does. Amen. All right. So listen, so we're talking about forgiveness is really mercy in action. Here's why I say it's doable and it's doable every day, because the Bible says in Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, most of us know the verse. It says through the Lord's what? Come on, talk to me. Mercies through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Amen to that. It says because his compassions fell not, they are what's the next three words? 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So because God's mercies are new every morning, we have the opportunity to greet each day with a forgiving heart. So simple. But watch this. It's really just a mindset. Yes, it's really a mindset of how I choose to interact with people and how I choose to walk out of my house. The second thought that I have concerning a forgiving heart is this. It's up there. Most people think forgiveness is about the past. But the truth is, is forgiveness is more about our future than it is our past. When we think of forgiveness, we always look back what they did to me. But it's really not. It is about that, but it's not about that because it's really more about where we're going, not where we've been. Because there's this side that are my past doesn't determine my destiny. Amen. It shouldn't. Right. So once again, it's not so much about my past. It's about my future. Don't you think about this without forgiveness? We really can't be effective husbands. Without forgiveness, we can't be effective fathers. Without forgiveness, we can't be effective mothers. We can't be effective uh, wives. We can't be effective friends. And even I'll throw this to the teenagers in the room. You really can't be effective child in your home unless forgiveness rules and reigns in your heart. All right, let, let, me, let me maybe step off that real quick. Is, listen, I've been a parent in uh, a lot less time than most of you guys in this room. Okay? I've been a parent for nine years. Okay? I've got four youngins. All right? And, and I can tell you that with my four kids, as much as I've loved them, I have blown it way too many times. Right? So, so let me give you something that I just heard in the closet. There's been times, even though my kids are little and I know that, uh, you know, they may not understand what just happened, what dad just did. Okay? Dad got angry. Dad said something. shouldn't have said it. Whatever it is. Okay? Dad popped off to mom. Shouldn't have said it. Whatever. My kids were standing there. Real life, right? Real life. Okay? That there's been times where I've had to go, to go to one of my kids' rooms, sit down and go, you know what, I need, I need to ask your, for your forgiveness. I need to apologize. A lot of times, parents, our pride gets in the way and, and, we, and we hinder our relationship with our children. Are you all listening to me? There comes a side where you go and you just, you just got to humble yourself. Because here's the thing, you know, I'll just go ahead and hop off there. I grew up with a very, uh, a very angry woman in the house. She was bitter. Uh, she, you know, needed forgiveness. She was angry. Her dad, talking about my mom, uh, my grandfather was depressed. He was an alcoholic. He was angry all the time. You know, every other word come out of his mouth was GD. I mean, it was just this ugh, awful atmosphere to live in. And not until I got much, much, much older, I'm talking two years ago to my mom say, you know what? I, she didn't ask for forgiveness, but she admitted that she shouldn't have did the things that she did. And I just think, you know, as a child growing up in that household, how powerful would it have been if my mom would have came and said, you know what, I shouldn't have did that. How much healing would it have brought in my heart instead of building a wall between us? Are you, uh, follow me. But it wasn't until I came to Christ that I had to do the work to tear down that wall to so Jesus somehow help me, help me love her in your love. Help me to see her through your eyes. Amen. I, I, remember, I remember being uh, in Washington State. I was out by Silver Lake. Sitting, I think I might have told you this before, sitting on a uh, platform throwing water balloons at kids. Love youth ministry. All right, so, um, so we were, you know, we were beating the kids. They're all running by, hitting with water balloons. It's, you know, summer camp. It's fun. And, and I was talking to this pastor. His name is Jeffrey. And I, and I remember telling him, I said, Jeffrey, I could care less if I ever see or talk to my father again. And I meant it. Because of just the past, right? And, and, and I remember him saying to me, basically, look, dude, it's the only dad you got. And he, you might be the only Jesus he ever sees. Amen. And I went, 
but I left that camp with a different perspective, and I began to pray to tear down that wall because he didn't know how to say, I'm sorry. He didn't know how to, listen, there's nothing more frustrating than people screwing up and their unwillingness to own it. Right? It's like, just own what you did, right? The buck stops here, right? Own it. And, and so, but I had to spend, I don't know how many years praying through all of that garbage just from my past, just so I could say, you know what? I love you like Jesus loves you. Are you, am I, am I, okay. All right. All right. So listen, so once again, we're talking about without forgiveness, how can we be effective husbands? In other words, is and, and you know, listen, I've been married 13 years now. There's been plenty of times I've had to go, all right, Lord, in faith, I forgive my wife for what she just did. And she's had to do that a whole lot more than I've had to. <laughs> whole lot more. I live with me. I know. Okay. So anyway, so, so there's that side that, that you know, how, how can I be effective if forgiveness isn't ruling or reigning in our house? How can we have a, yeah, okay, let me just move on. And, and here's kind of why I say this, because all of this that we're talking about, it really affects the quality of our relationships, the quality that we, we just don't want relationships. We want quality relationships. Amen. Something that's authentic, real, that's genuine. And, and so, you know, just as my mom and I was growing up, my mom couldn't hide her lack of peace. She couldn't hide her anger. She couldn't hide that she was wounded. She couldn't hide that she was bitter. Everyone in that house felt it and knew it. Amen. And because what happens is, is when when someone's soul is poisoned by bitterness, it, I mean, it's like it's like a sprinkler system. It's going to hit everybody. Are you all with me today? So that's one of the motivations of why I want to greet each day with a forgiving heart is because guess what? I want my family and those around me. I want to be healthy and not just. Ugh. Amen. Amen. All right. Told you it was simple today. So let me let me maybe throw this one thought at you. We'll move to the next one. Forgiveness unhooks the anchor from my past and allows me to move forward into my future. That's why it's more about my future than it is about my past, because it unhooks me from my past so I can move forward. As long as I'm trying to drag all of that junk with me, I'm never going to fulfill the destiny God has for me. But if I can somehow break that chain and run, then I'm going to be good. So jot this down, maybe, that basically unforgiveness stuns your growth. We'll make it simple. It stuns your growth in the kingdom. Third thought concerning a forgiving heart is this, is forgiveness really comes down to what we value in life. I want to ask you today, what do you value in life? Because forgiveness will reveal to you, it will show you what you really value. And here's what I mean, is when we value relationships, we value what God values, people, right? When we value peace, when we value intimacy with God, when we value freedom, then we will gladly greet each day with a forgiving heart. Great place to say amen. Listen, I, I think for me personally, and this is why I struggled so bad on Thursday and Friday, is because, is because all those things are valuable to me. All of those things. I love people, right? I, I may not interact the best with them all the time, but I sure do love them, right? So I, I love people, but, but I think the greatest thing, obviously, I love my institute of God. I love freedom because... There's no way to get more bound than have unforgiveness in your heart. But it's that second one there. It's, it's valuing peace. I, I just, I love peace. Right? I love peace. So, so there's that side of going, uh, you know, when I feel like I am like, oh, with somebody, it robs me of that. Because, it's, you know, the Bible talks about living peacefully with all men to the best of your ability. 
And so when something gets sideways, I don't do well with that because I just I feel like, you know, that's why I can't sleep. That's why I, that's why my my thoughts are all on that. And, of course, what happens when my thoughts are all on that? Guess what? I, I'm supposed to be spending time with my family. I may be physically there, but I'm not mentally there because I have no peace. Once again, it's affecting those around me. And so what happens is because I value peace, I want to greet each day with a forgiving heart because I got to live like that. Are you all following me? It's um, I don't know how another and I don't know analogy to give it to you, but it's like once you've I've said this, it's almost like when you experience the presence of God. How could you ever live ever live opposite of that? When you, when you know because God is the God of peace, right? He is the Prince of Peace, and that's really Him with you. How how can you not want that? So it, so for the sake of that, I'm willing to eat my pride and eat my ego and eat all those things so I can have that. Amen? I told you we're going to beat some people today at the restaurant. All right, here we go. The fourth thought is this. This is a forgiving heart. Is this. Is this. Listen to this. Our approach to forgiveness reveals if we really believe or not that we reap what we sow. Please don't miss that. I know that's not worded and that's, that's Bama grammar, okay? Um, but our approach to forgiveness, I, didn't, I couldn't figure out another way to say it. Our approach to forgiveness reveals if we really believe that we reap what we sow or not. See, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 7. He said, blessed are the merciful. Let's reword that. Blessed are those who give mercy, for they shall what? Obtain or they shall receive mercy. You reap what you sow. What you put in is what you get back. Jesus said this in Matthew six fourteen fifteen. It says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Man, that's like a, a knee to the face. See, li- listen, like I said earlier, we don't always get it right. We don't always say and do the right things. And in, th- in those moments where we don't just like nail it out the ballpark... We need to reap forgiveness. So we hope that we sowed it on the other side so we can get it. Are you following me? See, there, there's that. Let me maybe give you, uh, you know, Jesus talked about in a parable. He talked about a guy, and we've talked about this before, that, uh, you know, he had tons of debt. The master called it forth, said, hey, give it to me. And what the guy said, I don't have it. And the guy said, look, you're going to prison. We're going to send you and your family until you can repay it. I don't know how you repay something from prison. Right? It's not like they're giving out $100 bills in there, okay? So, so here it is, and he, says, and he says, until you repay it. And the guy, was, it says, says he falls down and he begs for mercy. And it says that the king had compassion on him, and he said, man, all's forgiven. And then what the story says, it says that that same servant went out, and he found a guy that owed him money. And what does the Bible say? That he said, give me my money. And the guy said, look, dude, I don't have it. It says that he grabbed him by the neck, and he started choking him. Really started strangling him because he didn't have his money. And then it says, you know, we know, we know what happened in the story, what Jesus said. He said, basically, the, the king found out that that servant did that. He called him back and said, how could you that I forgave you for all of that? And then you go do that. And then what did he do? He, he cast him, right? Lake of fire, gnashing of teeth, okay? So, so here's the thing, though, I think that blew, that blew my mind. I've said it to you before. But, uh, you know, when you, when you read that, what he owed the king was several millions of dollars. It was a, a substantial amount of money. And the guy that he went and strangled, he owed him $17. $17. 
And, the, and the, you know, the point there is this, is if I look at what all Jesus has forgiven me for, how dare I turn around and get not all for not give the gift of forgiveness to somebody that owes me 17 bucks? You know, follow me? Because really in proportion, in comparison to what I did to him compared to what they did to me is nothing. Amen? Yes? So, so that's the side of, guess what? I, I want to not only receive from the Father... But I want to be able to extend it here because I know I'm going to need it one day back in return. Amen? Amen. All right. Fifth one. Here we go. There's six. But the fifth one. Fifth thought concerning a forgiving heart is this. Is Jesus simply said this. That you bless those who curse you. You bless those curse you. Let me read two portions of scriptures because I feel like I'm going too short. So I'm going to take some time here. Here we go. Matthew 5, watch this. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your enemy and hate your enemy. Doesn't that sound awesome? It says, but I say to you, love your enemies. What's that next word, gang? Come on, say it like you mean it. Here we go. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Let me maybe stop right there real quick, okay? Um, no one is exempt of that. If you're breathing in the room, you're going to find people that will do that to you. Let, let me, I, I was reading a, a book, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and, and the guy started talking about Mother Teresa. And he talked about how Mother Teresa did all these things. How, you know, if there's anybody that's ever lived a life of serving outside of Jesus, it's that lady, right? In, in other words, I, you, you know, um, I may not be a Catholic, but I can certainly respect what she did. Okay, and so so here's this lady, you know, Calcutta, India, did all these things. And and even though I don't agree that they tried to make her a saint. But what happens is when she came up for sainthood from the Catholic Church, there was people came out. And one of them said, you know, I heard her cuss one time. So um, anybody, anybody hear any cuss before? God bless you. All right. So but it was like at this moment where they were trying to make they were trying to make girls better not be cussing. All right. Here we go. So. I so want to tell another story right now. Anyways, we'll move on. All right. So, anyways, so so here's so here is Mother Teresa. Whatever. Obviously, she's dead. She's done all these great things. We want to bring her sainthood, and and then at that time, people want to come up and start nitpicking her. So it's almost this. It's what the author talked about. He said, if they will do that to Mother Teresa, what makes you think you're going to get off the hook? Enjoy that music. <laughs> nice. <laughs> The story you want to hear real quick. All right. Oh, this is bad. Real quick. I worked with a pastor one time. His name is Mark Sims. He's in Birmingham. I got to hustle. I'm getting so sidetracked. Is uh, Pastor Mark, when he was a little kid, he never cussed before. And, uh, and so he, was, he wanted to know what he sounded like cussing. <laughs> this comes from the first time I ever got a whipping for cussing. I was four years old. So, you know, hey. I, I didn't grow up in that kind of household that he did. So anyways, um, I, I was being taught my grammar at a young age. So anyways, so, so anyway, so he went, by, he went behind the, the barn, the family barn, and he got in between the cornfield and the barn, and he started cussing. And I think he shot some few birds or something like that, right? It's like, who does that? Anyways, so, so he thinks he's slick. He did that. Nobody heard him. Well, the only problem was this, the, the guy that owned the lot next door was standing in the corn farming. And he told his mama, and he got lit up anyways. So anyways, whatever. Anyways, your sin will find you out, all right? 
Yeah, we'll get we'll get biblical. All right, let's go back. All right, here we go. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. I love that verse. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. In other words, it's a mark that you're God's kid, as if you can forgive. It says, for he makes his son rise on evil and on good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. It says, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? That's kick to the face, isn't it? For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same, nor sinners. It says, basically, tax collectors were known as the, the scum of the earth for those guys. So it says, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect. That actually means mature, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. All right? Go to Luke. Thanks. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Once again, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. One more. Oh, that, that's it. All right, here we go. So, all right, so we're talking about the word bless. Now, how do we bless those who, in forgiveness? The Bible says this. I'm kind of messing myself up here, but watch this. In Psalms 32.1, so one of the ways we bless people is by forgiving them. Let's read this verse. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So here's Jesus saying, look, when they do you wrong, you need to bless them. And then we go back and we know all scriptures God breathes. So it all comes from him. We go, man, how do we, how do I bless them? By forgiving them. So simple, isn't it? Yes. In essence, it's, it really means to speak well of them. Help me, Jesus. Speak well of them, to praise them, to extol them. To, it's, it's basically really what it's talking about in essence it's so easy. In fact, one of my own prayers that I pray for my own life is, uh, God, help me to see the gold in them and not the trash. God, help me. Help me see what you see and help me speak to that and not let me speak to who they're called to be and not who they aren't. Because it's so easy to get called up in who people aren't instead of focusing on who they're called to be. Amen? Amen. Last thought. Um, you can stand to your feet, actually. Just for, I don't even, just stand to your feet. <laughs> I forgot that I need to do something else. Just get up, all right? Man, I'm like on it today. I'm telling you, this is awesome. Um, re- recently, and the individual's here, but re- recently, man, I've had my heart challenged in a um, just a real way when it comes to this subject. Somebody said to me recently, and this is not me, this is a, a, a person that calls this place home. They said this to me. They said uh, that they no longer, when someone offends them, do they automatically look at the other individual. It's what all of us do, right? Yes? Yes, they, they said they said basically where they're at in the Lord is they and, I'm, and I may get some of this wrong, but but that they actually go, OK, what's inside of me that allowed me to be offended by that? Are you all hear me today? I mean, I mean, that's such a once again, that, that ain't for me. OK, but but that is that has grabbed my heart in such a real way to go, OK, um, you know, when that person did me wrong, is, did I get offended because uh, there's fear in my heart, because of insecurities, because I'm trying to please people and not God? Is it because, you know, is it lack of, ex, you know, expectations? What is it? But, but what's inside of me? In other words, there comes this time where, let's go back to the first point that we talked about, the buck stops here, where I quit pointing the finger at them because an offense, and I go, okay, once again, what's in me? And that's been my prayer over the past few days. Uh, God, when that happened and that happened, 
on Thursday, why did I respond in that way? What's inside of me? And, you know, and part of it is, is because I like peace and it disrupts that. But there's also a side of, God, why couldn't I just let that roll off and move on? You know, in other words, it, for me, it made me look and go, man, I, I got to grow some. I got to change. I, I got to get more secure in my identity in Christ so that doesn't affect me. Because there's that piece of going, um, you, you know, let me, let me maybe say it this way. Um, I am fine with somebody not liking me uh, because, once again, I know, I, you know, I'm not Mother Teresa. <laughs> right, right? Um, you, you know, I know people are, you know, they're just not going to like you, you know, for whatever reason. That just kind of happens, okay? And I'm okay with that when it's me preaching the gospel and they don't, they're offended by something that's in there. Therefore, they don't like me. They don't like the mailman. Right. Cause just because I delivered it. OK. Um, but there's something that I guess upsets me when I realize I'm the cause of it, of the offense and cause of the upset. And I make Jesus look really bad. I don't do well with that, you, you know, because I think all of us should live our lives to want to be a billboard for the gospel. OK. You know, when we mess up, screw up, however you want to word it, and we cause people to view him different, that bothers me. Right. Are you all follow me. And so, so it's, not only, it's not only what's in me that causes me to get offended, but what's also in me that's offensive. You, you know, because Jesus said in Luke 17, he said, offenses are going to come, but woe to him through who they come from. And there's that part where I think sometimes we get so caught up in looking at everybody else, we forget about woe is me if I caused it. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So I just want to, uh, really simple, I just want us to close our eyes, bow our heads, and I just want us to pray for a minute. In fact, I'm going to give you, um, nobody's going to come play. We're not going to try to amp up some atmosphere. Just in your own heart, if there's anything that landed today for you, in you, from God, just do business with him for a second. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to do so, and then I'm going to pray with you. Father, I'm just asking today in the name of Jesus that, Maybe a little side lesson here. God, that you would uh, help us to learn to get quiet with you and really evaluate our hearts and let you evaluate our hearts, even to do what the psalmist said. God, search me and know me. God, see if there's any wicked way within me. God, that we would get quiet before you go, God, have, have I offended someone? Am I offended at someone? Father, today I'm just asking God in this moment that we'd say, Lord, we release them. And, Lord, we choose today just to even forgive ourselves. Forgive ourselves for the way we've maybe messed up before. And, God, if there's anybody that we need to go and humble ourselves before and just repent, and, God, we were, and just give us the courage to do it. So, Lord, I'm asking today, God, and every one of us in here today, that you would deposit uh, just a forgiving heart. God, that we would greet each day with a forgiving heart, with a forgiving spirit, that we would be an extension of who you are. God, that we would be people who are not only marked by your mercy, but we're marked because we give your mercy. So, Lord, today, thank you for just adjusting and shifting and uh, realigning, God, whatever uh, needs to be realigned today. God, help us. God, you know, we pray that so much here, God, that we just want to be uh, in agreement with you. And so, Lord, today, just thanks for depositing more of your heart because, God, we know if there's, um, yeah, we read about F.F. F. Bosworth, we read about Stephen, but it's really, it's the heart of the Father. 
Father, we really need. We need your heart deposited in us in a greater level. So, Father, thank you today, God, for doing that by the power of the Holy Spirit. With all um, heads bowed and, I, and eyes still closed, um, listen, I don't want us to leave this moment. You know, we've been talking about forgiveness today. That's uh, Jesus came to forgive us. And if we don't, um, if we've never given him our lives, if we've never uh, surrendered, then we've never been forgiven. And so today, if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, uh, man, I've been doing it my own way. I've been doing my own thing. And, uh, but I need, I need God to forgive me. I need uh, Jesus to save me. If that's you today, uh, without prolonging it, lift your hand. Say, man, I need to give my heart and my life to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Say, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. All right. Congregation, pray this with me. Let's pray this out loud. Say, Father God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I ask you for your grace. I ask you for your mercy. God, I need you to forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of the lifestyle that I've chosen to live. Today I believe that Jesus is God. That He did live a sinless life. That He did die on the cross as my sacrifice so my sins could be forgiven. And Father, I also believe that He rose from the dead so that I can raised from the dead one day also. So, Father, today I make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. Thank you for a new birth, a new beginning. Thank you for making me a new creation in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together.